Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and our Redeemer. Amen. At last, I've been waiting for two weeks to tell this story. At last. And thank goodness. Thank goodness for the opportunity to tell the story that's been bursting out from inside of me. Yes, I've told it privately to a few people, but now I've got you people. You people giving me this opportunity to tell an Easter story, my Easter story for this season. Oh yes, I've got more than one Easter story for the season, but this one belongs to the whole church. It's like today's gospel reading declares, now is the time for our Lord to be glorified. Yes, now is the time to tell these kinds of stories out loud and in public, the stories that allow us to reclaim ourselves for the whole world to hear that we are Easter people and that our key theme is resurrection. Resurrection of new life from the dead, resurrection of found things out of lost things, the resurrection of truth out of falsehoods, God's reality coming out of our degraded or failed realities. This is how it happened for me two weeks ago. A beloved friend for whom I would go to any lengths to give aid and support telephoned me early one morning, awaking me from sleep, and in a panic explained that she had lost her wallet, credit cards, money, and ID cards. She quickly reminded me of her international flight scheduled for the next day. And she wailed to me, Thee, what am I going to do? I've checked my bank account, and nothing has been withdrawn yet. But if I have to cancel all those cards and get new ones, then I'll need to stay here for the rest of the week, reschedule my flight, and pay more money for all that. Still groggy from sleep, I immediately went into rescue mode, which is what I do. Yep, I'm that guy. First off, my impulse was to reassure her that we can handle this. Be at peace, dear. Be at peace. We will do what's necessary. People love you. People love to help you. And I'll do my part. I may have added, at least to myself, let's see what God can do. After we got off the phone, I proceeded in the next couple of hours to get through to the restaurant where she remembered having opened her wallet to use her card the night before. We hoped, of course, 
that someone had found the wallet and given it to the restaurant staff for safekeeping. But there was no answer to my telephone calling. It's one of those businesses that has no recording on it. No emergency number to call or way to make further contact. My next step was going online to the Internet. And pretty soon I discovered the bad news that they were not scheduled to open that day or the next. They're one of those businesses that takes two days off and would not reopen until the day after my friend's flight was scheduled to depart. No recording, two days off every week, one of those. Not to be outdone, after all is said and done, I'm still an American with a can-do attitude. I desperately drove to the restaurant to see if there might be anything posted on the building. A desperate strategy, indeed. I wanted to see if there might be a phone number affixed about how to get through to anyone in an emergency. Nothing there, of course. No way to get into an empty, locked building. No one in sight to ask if someone had turned in a missing wallet. At that point, it was time to get back to my friend and update her on my progress. She was much calmer by now, and that's when we'd had a second conversation. And this second conversation is key for what I want to share with you today. First, I reported the bad news that the restaurant was closed for the next two days. And then, however, I hasten to add, however, I took the next step to work the problem by driving to the location and checking the building to see if there were an emergency number posted anywhere. No such luck, I told her. And that's when I said to her the phrase that I want you to remember most of all about this story. It's kind of a current-day proverb that we say in my church circles, and maybe you've heard it before here in the South or around the country. We say it to encourage each other to keep our hopes up, to have faith in God no matter what. And so I said to her, God is good all the time. Have you heard it before? Yeah? God is good all the time? Yeah, all the time. And some of us add on to that phrase something to make it even more emphatic, more specific, more impactful for encouraging our faith. God is good all the time in Yeah? Say it again. All right. And I add, God is good all the time in Atlanta. God is good all the time in Georgia. And just to play around with you a little bit, God is good all the time in Buckhead. Yeah. God is good all the time in my house and yours, in your neighborhood and mine. In my circumstances and yours, God is good all the time. But here's what she said in response. Now, she's a sister believer, 
and repeated back to me the phrase, God is good all the time, but then she added one little word, maybe. That's right, that's what she said. God is good all the time, maybe. Now I, as a priest and pastor, not to mention being a born-again, Bible-preaching, long-time, charismatic, miracle believer, I say, me being all of that, I did not rise to the bait. I did not try to challenge her about that add-on word, maybe. Certainly, from one point of view, maybe can be seen as taking away at the end of the phrase the very faith and hope that is affirmed at the beginning of the phrase. When we say, God is good all the time, we intend to be saying, God is good no matter what the circumstances. Without a doubt, no questions asked. you got to believe. Say it like you mean it, etc., etc. And you can hear the contrast if I play around with the tone of the question and say, God is good all the time, maybe. You hear the difference. In fact, church friends and friends of Christ, in fact, what I'm sharing with you here today is not most of all my Easter story. It's first of all my friend's Easter story, the story about what happened that day a story that highlights a kind of faith provision that I hear the Spirit providing for us here in this Easter season and throughout our lives. It was on the strength of that little word of provisional affirmation, maybe, that my friend, who is also a believing Christian, got into her car and drove to the restaurant herself drove to the same restaurant where I had already told her there was no evidence of help and arrived there to find that this time there was a delivery truck parked there. Yeah. A truck with a driver who had access to the building. Yeah. And who was able and willing to search for the restaurant lost and found. Right and who then delivered to her the wallet that had been left in that lost and found for safekeeping. Right. And here's the rest of the story. My friend realized that if she had arrived and departed from that restaurant a few minutes before the delivery worker had arrived, or arrived and departed a few minutes after he had departed, she would have missed the miracle the miracle of his being there exactly when she needed someone to be there for her. There was her wallet left in safekeeping for her to find with cards and money intact and with her plans for the week back on course. In her euphoria, as she told me later, she astonished the driver by asking him, Can I give you a hug? 
Drawn out of herself by her need to give back, she asked him a second time before departing, Can I give you a hug? So, maybe this is how faith also works, or how it can work, or is working for many of us in this Easter season and beyond. Maybe, I say, and did you hear me just now return to that little word, maybe? Maybe God makes double provision, double provision for faith affirmations. Maybe it is provided for some of us to have a robust faith about outcomes and experiences, as in our collect appointed for today's fifth Sunday of Easter, that collective opening prayer where we beseech God, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. But maybe God also provides for others of us who are maybe people, also a way to be Easter people. I have in mind especially those of us encountering bitter outcomes and experiences, those of us enduring things that are wretched, terrible, even horrifying. Maybe God provides for such believers, too, a way to be Easter people if we will simply act on the Spirit's prompting, as my friend did when she drove to that restaurant, despite the fact that I told her I had already done that without success. So it seems there's a spectrum of believers in our faith tradition. On the one hand, our epistle from Revelation offers us a completely confident expectation and outcome for all human hopes and struggles. Not a happy ending, maybe, but a happy ending, definitely. For see, the book of Revelation declares, see, the home of God is with the human race. God will dwell with them as their God. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the old order has passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Similarly, our gospel for today envisions a related expectation that we human beings can finally become lovers of one another that old enmities and enduring hatred and all bitterness may ultimately be redeemed and transfigured in a new heaven and new earth. For Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Precisely here, with this final little word, if, 
all of us may find an opening for our Easter faith if and maybe we can find a way to have love for one another, then even our most bitter outcomes may be experienced as redeemed. Here, indeed, we may need to enlist the term bittersweet. For our testimony is that if you persist with us in building beloved community in these places, even our most bitter experiences and suffering will have some sweetness attending them. We will find sweet companions to help us bear our burdens, as I have experienced having lost both a child and a wife. I have found in these communities sweetness of companions helping me bear burdens. In that connection, the early 20th century Scottish evangelical Oswald Chambers said this about sweetness and bitterness in Christian experience. Oswald Chambers said, If God has made your cup sweet, drink it with grace. If God has made it bitter, drink it in communion with him. With him, our Lord, a Eucharistic calling to dive deep into the sacrament, the holy table, find a way to commune with the risen Christ who bears all our sufferings and does not leave us to bear sufferings only with him, but in community with his body, we the body, who will surround you if you will bear it. If you can bear being loved and cared for in your sorrow and bitterness, we will sign up for it. The sacrament then becomes not a private experience of communion, but a doorway, a portal, an entrance into wider communion with a beloved community. That's us. And here we may also experience an Easter euphoria to give back to God the glory of these great 50 days of resurrection life. If alongside of other disciples we keep trying to love one another as Christ loved us with self-giving love, then we'll do also our part to foster miracles, to prime the possibility for loving care, to redeem suffering and hurt and sorrow. We'll find ourselves better primed to venture out when the Spirit summons us to show up. If we can hang in here with beloved community, show up for the times when divine grace seems doubtful or life seems too forbidding or just plain ordinary. Show up for more than that. What if, my friend said to me two weeks ago, what if I had arrived and departed from that restaurant a few minutes before the delivery driver had arrived or a few minutes after he had departed? I would have missed him. And then when she reminded me of her impulse to give back, to give him a hug, I recalled something a spiritual director said to me once. He was referring to the Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we will experience at the end of this Easter season. And he said, under the impact of that kind of spirit-filled experience, give God back the glory. 
Don't keep glory to yourself as you experience miraculous, marvelous things. Give back the glory. Don't rob it from God. And keep giving God the glory, even in bad times, that God is able and God is good all the time, even for maybe people. So I've done that with you here today, Christian friends and friends of Christ, giving back with that story, giving my friend's story back to you belongs to us as a beloved community. And I invite you, as we finish this 50, to 50 days celebration, looking forward to the birthday of the Church with the Pentecost Day celebration, give back the glory when you find things that are lost that marvelously get found. Give back the glory when you find things that were old that get renewed. And especially give back the glory when you find things that were dead being brought back to life. For to the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work in us, to that one be the glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen.